0: Welcome to the Sports Block Podcast for this week, Super Bowl week. Normally, the Super Bowl would be done, but because the NFL is greedy and added an extra week, that means the Super Bowl is this week. It falls on the day before Valentine's Day, February 13th. And we have a big preview here as well as plenty of other stuff to go. Uh, about and discuss, and who better to do that with than my good friend and co-host of this podcast, also the host of the uh, "Of Taking Time with Travis" podcast, uh, available on KORN Radio. He is the sports director at KORN Radio. There in Mitchell, none other than Travis Crins. Travis, how are we doing? We're doing good. Good. I
1: feel like someday the Super Bowl is going to be in March. <laughs>
0: it feels feel like, like that
1: we're going to have an eighteen-game season at some point.
0: Yep.
1: That's an extra week, so. We'll get we'll get close to March. We'll get close to having a March Super Bowl, I
0: think. Then do you think we could just move March Madness back to May and have May Madness? Yeah, it all sucks. It's too much too much football. Yeah. I would like May Madness. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um and we'll get to college basketball here in a little bit, uh, but we have the Super Bowl this week. It is uh, the Cincinnati Bengals making their third ever appearance against the St. Uh, in in the Super Bowl against the St. Louis. St. Oh my gosh! I throw five dollars into the to the swear jar here against the L.A. Rams, who uh, I believe this is what now they're like. F- Fifth Super Bowl appearance. This is the second one since they moved out to LA. They are the Rams are the second consecutive team to play a Super Bowl in their home stadium. However, in an odd quirk, they are actually the visitors because the NFC uh, they alternate uh, who is the home team in a Super Bowl. Last year it was the NFC, and so the Bucks were the home team. Now, Now this year it's the AFC's turn to be the home team, so the Rams will be the visitors. And they'll be in the visitor locker room for the first time ever at SoFi Stadium. Uh, How dumb uh, is that? Are they really going to be in the visitor locker room Yeah, no. I, I think so. I, I think so. Well, let me... <laughs> if, so, I guess the, the question I have here is because the, they share a stadium with the Chargers. And the Giants and the Jets share a stadium. So, I wonder, like, if when the Giants and Jets play, do they have to swap locker rooms for that game? Uh, I, know the, the Char- I know the Rams and Chargers... I know the Rams and Chargers... The Rams and Chargers play next year, so wondering if they will, like, do the Chargers have to? It, it's just weird. I don't know if they'll, or do they just come out of their separate locker rooms like you would normal? I, I don't know. I
1: don't, I don't they each have their own locker room. I'm sure they do. And the Rams should hopefully just stay in the locker room they always use. If they're at home, there's no reason to switch. And why, why are their home team, I don't Home team should be the team with the best record. Like, I don't know why they alternate. I don't know why leagues do that. Mm-hmm. And I'll uh, just pick a jersey, play the
0: game. This is the. You now, we talked last week, and you are excited for this Super Bowl matchup. I said I wasn't, but we'll see how the week goes. And as we get here into Super Bowl week, I'm still not excited for it. This is just. It's just a blah Super Bowl to me. Yes, there are storylines. Yes, we should have. I would hope a very good game. It's exciting to see Joe Burrow and and the Bengals in it. Uh, so there's some new blood in there. But I I I just can't get excited for this particular matchup. Selfishly, I don't want the Bengals to win the Super Bowl before the Vikings do. So I kind of don't want the Bengals to win for that in that regard. But I also don't really want the Rams to win because I despise their owner, Stan Kroenke. So, I mean, I don't have a rooting interest one way or the other. Hopefully it's a good game. But, I again, I just feel very blah about this Super Bowl. And that is something that I haven't felt for a long time. Normally I have at least some rooting interest in, a super, in one of the teams in a Super Bowl. This year, there's none.
1: I, I never care who wins the Super Bowl for the most part. Pick a team to root for. I hope the Bengals do win for that same reason because they've never won.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That'd be great for them. Yep. It would. It and, would. And if the Rams win, then Matthew Stafford gets one. And that's good for him. So I like it more than usual. Two teams, a different matchup. Nobody had the Bengals doing what they're doing. So there's an underdog there. Mm-hmm. So I. I like it because I don't have. I like the Bengals. I, I'll root for the Bengals in the game. I would say, but if they don't lose, so what? So, right. Um, I like it. Yeah, I like it more than most.
0: So, so we look at this at, at this matchup here. Uh, it's you know you got the the youth. In Joe Burrow against the veteran in Matthew Stafford, but prior to this year, Stafford had never had any playoff success. He was winless in the playoffs, and has gone three and zero this postseason. Uh, the Joe Burrow is three and zero in postseason. If you go back to college in terms of like the must win games or the playoff games, he's undefeated. Uh, so he's a big game Joe, I guess you could call him, or big game Burrow. So I. I feel like it's a bit of a wash in that regard, and they both make some bad play. I guess Stafford makes worse plays, uh, worse throws that you're like, why would you possibly throw that pass there than Burrow does, but I think I might trust Stafford a little bit more. I kind of view these quarterbacks as a bit of a wash.
1: Burrow took the most sacks of anybody. That person's never won a Super Bowl. I think Stafford had the most interceptions of anybody, I think. And that person has won it once. That was like, uh, Eli Manning in 2007. Yikes. So, like, Joe Burrow has not played well in this playoffs. He didn't play well against the Titans.
0: Nope.
1: Uh, didn't light it up against the Chiefs. Um, so it's like that thing of he got there and Joe Burrow's great, but, like, it's not like he's played well so and matt stafford finally got there so Mm -hmm. Uh, we'll see if this is the beginning for joe burrow as he becomes the next big star we'll see if this is his first first big big deal
0: the if you look at the offensive weapons that each team has the rams have cooper cup and they have odell beckham jr robert woods torn acl he's not playing in this game tyler higby their tight end He's really uh, come uh, about this year. He is questionable with a sprained MCL. You have Cam Akers, Sony Michelle at running back. Uh, on the flip side, the Bengals have uh, Jamar Chase, the, the rookie wide receiver sensation. They have T. Higgins. They have Tyler Boyd. They have Joe Mixon. CJ Uzama, their tight end. He has a sprained MCL, and he's determined to play. So whether or not he can go remains to be seen, but I don't think he wants to miss the best or the most important game of his life. If we're looking at the skill position players, I tend to favor the Bengals here in that regard over the Rams.
1: Yeah, I would too. I mean, I like their receivers better as a whole. I like their running back better. Yep. So they have the best player in Cooper Cup, but everybody else is better than whatever else the Rams have.
0: Yep. I would agree. Having said that, though, the skill position players may not be the most important players in this game. And I would say they are definitely not, especially from the the battle in the trenches. Because the Bengals offensive line, as you mentioned, they've given up the most... Like, Joe Burrow's been the most sacked quarterback. He was sacked nine times against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, And the Rams have the best defensive player, maybe the best player in the NFL period, in defensive tackle, Aaron Donald. I would expect him to wreak havoc on the Bengals' offensive line. I don't know what uh, scheme or what answers the Bengals are necessarily going to have. For Aaron Donald, you got Von Miller, who was acquired in the middle of the season from Denver, also applying pressure. You got Leonard Floyd on there. So the, the Rams have a ton of skill position pl- or a, a ton of speed and a ton of pass rushers on defense that can disrupt things. So I would think that the Bengals are going to have to go with a primarily short passing game if they want any chance of succeeding throughout the game. And getting down the field and putting points on the board, but I look at Aaron Donald against that Bengals offensive line, and if if the Bengals can't stop him, the Bengals are going to be in a ton of trouble.
1: Yeah, you would think so. That uh, quick passes. I think they learned their lesson from the from the Tennessee game. That uh, their offensive line just is not very good and can't handle that. So hopefully, uh, they're 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 smart enough to figure that out.
0: Uh, Trey Hendrickson has been a great defense, uh, a great pickup for the Bengals. The defensive end, he was formerly with the Saints. He has like what 14 sacks this season. He has two and a half or three sacks in the postseason, so he's been great. Uh, Von Bell, uh, Jesse Bates, good safeties. Uh, so the secondary is okay for the Bengals. But overall, I mean, the Rams have all the star players. Yeah, you know, they have Jalen Ramsey. Uh, as I mentioned, they have Aaron Donald. They just they seem to have the more they have more superstars for sure the more talent that the question being is can that talent win them the Super Bowl this year can Jalen Ramsey lock down on on Jamar Chase I would say probably yes but I mean we've seen Chase have some fantastic games throughout this uh season I I I, I favor the Rams' defense over the Bengals, but the Bengals have been a sneaky good defense here, especially in this postseason.
1: Yeah, Bengals have, I mean, the second half of the Kansas City game, they shut them down. So, And they did well against the Titans and the Raiders. So, And the Rams have gone through, I mean, they were terrible in that uh, first three quarters of San Francisco.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Three points or ten points, whatever it was, it, it was not good. So, uh, the, the Rams are more inconsistent, at least on offense. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like the Bengals can, can do something there defensively.
0: The Bengals have been a slower starting team. Or slow, uh, they, they tend to make some good adjustments for the second half. Whether or not the Rams can take advantage of that remains to be seen. I don't think the Ram, or the Bengals have an, uh, an answer for Cooper Cup. And we'll see how well Odell Beckham can play. I think this might be a game, in all honesty, where Joe Mixon needs to be the bell cow for the Bengals and keep the Rams' offense off the field. It's just a matter of will they be able to run, like I said, against that front led by Aaron Donald.
1: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. uh, Is this a high-scoring game? I don't well, if the predictions will see if this is a... If this is a high-scoring game, if it's in maybe in the low 20s, you know, they got some power on offense. But we'll see and you know, how the game game flow goes. And, and maybe the Bengals will just try and run try and the ball. Uh, the crowd shouldn't be much of an issue for them on the road. But we will see.
0: Kickers, uh, we have the best rookie kicker, I think, arguably we've ever seen in, in Evan McPherson for the Bengals. And Matt Gay was an all-pro. This year for the Rams, but he's missed a couple in the playoffs. So I think if it came down to a game-winning field goal, I would tend to favor McPherson in the Bengals. He just has this moxie and this sort of you know, cockiness about him that what he has the confidence that he's going to go out and make a field goal. I think if it's a low-scoring game, I would tend to favor the Rams in this one. Uh, if it's a high-scoring game, certainly favor the Bengals because I think they have more explosiveness uh, with their offense. But if it comes down to you know, the last possession or comes down to a field goal, I'm trusting McPherson, the rookie, more than I am gay.
1: Yeah, he's been great. He's made all the kicks. There's been some long ones. Yeah, he's been, he's been terrific. They don't get here without him. And you need a little bit of luck, and you need, uh, you need a really good kicker. And uh, the Bengals have, have the best kicker going
0: right now. One other one storyline to keep in mind is that uh, Zach Taylor is from the uh, Sean McVay coaching tree. He was with the, with McVay for a few years in LA before uh, the Bengals hired him. So we'll see how big of a, a deal that is. You know, does McVay know a few? There maybe maybe it's Taylor knows a few more of McVay's tendencies that he can play into a little bit here. Uh, McVay you know, remembers things at a ridiculous rate and he can adjust and and come up with some new things. So maybe that will help here too. Uh, I don't anticipate... I think there's going to be a lot more Rams fans than Bengals fans there just because the game is in L.A. But with that being said, the Bengals, this is their first Super Bowl since, you know, the 80s. So the Bengals fans who have seemingly come out of the woodwork here throughout this season, especially during the playoffs... They may shell out and show up in huge numbers there in L.A. I would tend to think that this is going to be more of like a 70-30 split in terms of Rams fans, but then again, Rams fans really haven't showed up much this season, so maybe it will be closer to 60-40 or 50-50 uh, in terms of the crowd.
1: And there will be a lot of people that probably don't care one way or the other, and I would say those people tend to root for the underdog. off.
0: So. Probably. Uh, do we want to make a prediction now or later in the podcast? Okay. we can do it now. Okay. With all this being said, I I think I'm going to pick the Rams. I just think that Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, Sean McVay, playing at home is going to help. If they have more fans there, I think that will help. And Aaron Donald it seems to be determined. The game against San Francisco in the NFC Championship game turned around when Donald, who isn't a a yeller or he doesn't talk a lot, but he was very passionate on that sideline and the defense really turned things around. And I just don't think the Bengals are going to have an answer for him, for uh, Von Miller and company. I think that Jalen Ramsey can kind of hold Jamar Chase in check. And I think the Rams ultimately prevail, I'm going to say 26-20. to
1: The Bengals win thirty to twenty-seven. They went on a field goal at
0: the end. All right, I like it, and I think yeah, that would tend to be more of a high-scoring. I think if a team can get to thirty, I think it's the Bengals, and I think they would win this game because I think their offense is more explosive and can put up points. So you have the Bengals, I have the Rams. We will see how it goes here. Uh We didn't get to this last week, so I wanted to make sure to get to it this week. Looking ahead to a future opponent. For the the season opener next year, this is who the Bengals have at home. Uh, they have some great options here. So they they host obviously Cleveland, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. Their other no. five their other five games at home include the Atlanta Falcons, the uh, Buffalo Bills, yes, the Carolina Panthers, oh. the Miami Dolphins. And the Kansas City Chiefs. Would you do Chiefs at Bengals week one, or do you hold that game? Do you save that game for later? It's gotta be either Bills or Chiefs.
1: Yeah, and it's it should be Kansas City.
0: I would agree. I would agree.
1: Yeah, Kansas City. That's an easy call. If it's Buffalo, that'd be fine. But Kansas City put put them on against Cincinnati.
0: The history is there with what they did in those two games this season. There isn't that, and I get maybe wanting to hold that off until later, but I I think you have to put it as Chiefs Bengals. I I do. And there's nothing there from like Pittsburgh or like from a divisional standpoint. Nope, I don't want that. Uh, it it's either Bills or Chiefs. But I would agree that you have to go. With the Chiefs there. Looking at the Rams, they would obviously they play next year the um, their divisional opponents, the Arizona Cardinals, San Francisco 49ers, Seattle Seahawks. Their other remain their other six home games, because remember, next year the NFC gets nine home games this year. This year it was the AFC, so it flips. Their other six home games. Uh, Atlanta, Carolina, Denver. The Raiders, the Bills, or the Cowboys. This is a lot more, This is more difficult.
1: Denver because Aaron Rodgers.
0: If oh, okay, okay. So if Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver, you would do Denver at the Rams.
1: And if not, then Buffalo.
0: Okay. But
1: Cowboys. I don't need to see that. It's it's Buffalo is the backup plan for both of these. With uh, with Denver and uh, Kansas City, the the main features.
0: I would tend to put because uh, the Cowboys opened this season up against Tampa Bay.
1: They so, could also open up on the road at the Chargers.
0: They could also at home.
1: But well, anyway,
0: no, I don't think yeah, <laughs> I don't think they're going to do that. But Dallas opened up the season at Tampa Bay, at the Super Bowl Champions. It's always big. It's always a good idea to put America's team on that opening night. You get some good ratings. I'm going to differ from you. I don't think they should put either Denver or Buffalo there. I think you put San Francisco, given the way the NFC Championship game went, and the, the way these two teams went, or you put Dallas. I tend to favor Dallas, but... Honestly, I think San Francisco would be just fine. So, you have Denver and Buffalo as your two choices. I have Dallas and San Francisco as my two choices for the Rams. But we're both in agreement with Cincinnati.
1: The Cowboys are a draw, but they're not not relevant.
0: Well, I know they aren't, but they, they were on this year against Tampa Bay. So, I think it's worth noting that the Cowboys could be that they don't
1: always, they don't, for some reason, they don't, These past few years, they don't seem to put the biggest game on week one anymore.
0: No, I would agree with that.
1: Well, let's put down, like Dallas, Tampa Bay, I, I don't, like, they don't put on, hey, let's put on the biggest game we can to kick off the season.
0: But, whatever. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's either Dallas or, or San Francisco for me. But, that's a, look at that, so we'll, um. Interesting, though, just to kind of keep that in mind as to who that opening opponent might be uh, come next season. So that's the Super Bowl here in Inglewood, uh, California. 6.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 p.m. Central Time on NBC. Pre-game starts at like noon. You'll get pre-game on NFL Network and ESPN well before that in the morning. Uh, NBC's Olympic coverage, I guess, will have to either just be on USA or some other channels or maybe just streaming on Peacock because it'll be all Super Bowl that day for the network. I have been watching the Olympics. USA has not been doing all that great. Um, I got a couple
1: questions with the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. Are these the two worst teams
1: you've ever seen in the Super Bowl? There are other Super Bowl matchups that have had two teams worse
0: than this. Well, in terms of the seating, this is one of the lowest seeded Super Bowls we've seen in a very long time um Pittsburgh has that sixth seed when they uh when they play when they made it to the Super Bowl in Detroit in the buses last season they played they, they played Seattle and I don't know if Seattle was a one seed then so that would be Perhaps the lowest-seeded Super Bowl at that time. Green Bay was a six-seed and played Pittsburgh the one year. So we've seen six-seeds make it to the Super Bowl before. Tampa Bay was a six-seed last year. And Kansas... Yeah, they were? Yeah, they were. No, they were a five. Were they a five? They were a five. Kansas City was a two, if I recall correctly. They weren't the one. Um... But that and was the Rams. If the Rams win, they might be a bottom ten Super
1: Bowl team. And if the Bengals were to win, they'd probably be in the bottom five of Super Bowl winners ever.
0: Who would you rank down there? Like the the Colts or the Jets? Um, we're
1: well, looking at a list here. Um, the The O seven Giants. Yep. Uh, 1970 Colts. So That'll be Super Bowl Four. I mm-hmm. uh, also put the other Giants team, 2011, down there, and they put the uh, the 2012 Ravens among them. So I think the Bengals would be in there. They wouldn't be the worst, but they would be there among the worst Super Bowl champs ever. And the Rams would be a little better, but yep. the Rams. Would still be in that bottom third, bottom quarter, I would say.
0: Doesn't this, though, kind of speak to what we've talked about all season? That's the parody of the league? I well, mean...
1: The, the Titans couldn't get it done. The Packers never get it done, I guess, recently. Mm-hmm. The, the, the best teams, whoever they were, there wasn't much separation between the best. Mm-hmm. And maybe the the. I mean, the, the Raiders or, you know, could have beaten the Angles team in the... Wild card round. So,
0: yep. and, and the Rams could have lost either of those two games. So, Well, and, uh, and the, the – I mean,
1: it's, it's – it's, a lot of this is luck. The Bengals yeah. could have lost – and both of these teams could have lost. I guess for the Cardinals-Rams game, that was a blowout. Yep. But for five of the six games these teams have played, uh, it's a 50-50 toss-up.
0: Yep. But the Rams were 12 and five, the same record as the 12 and five Bucks and the 12 and five Cowboys. So I mean, they had the same record as Dallas and the and Tampa Bay. I think you know. So you're just. I mean, if the, if the Rams were the two seed, would we consider this uh, differently? I think absolutely. I think if you're, you you if you're looking at the seeding, I get it. But they all they had the same record, so. It's really Just about
1: the team, not, not so much based on the seed. Yep. Just looking at them, it's like these are not, like in a normal year, neither of these teams would be in Super Bowl. Right. There would be teams better than this. Yes. You know, yep. If, if Buffalo was in it, they'd be worthy. If Kansas City was in it, they seem like a Super Bowl team. Yes. Uh, the Bengals don't seem like a Super Bowl team, but, yep. but here they are.
0: Yep. I, I agree with that, and I think you could make an argument. Like Green Bay seemed far more of a, a Super Bowl team than the Rams, especially given the fact that the Packers beat the Rams earlier this season. The Bucks seemed like they had a, a better chance. T- Dallas was a better team. Even hell, even maybe San Francisco. Um, and these teams are very
1: I mean, they're very similar. Um there's been hundred and twelve teams make the Super Bowl. The the Bengals ranked ninety-seven. In points allowed per game. And they're 61st in passing. So they're middle of the pack and passing. Among the worst defenses that have made it. Bottom 15. And the Rams are about the same. Rams are 92nd in points allowed. They're 20th worst all time. And they're 67th in passing. So two teams that are very, very similar. And I would expect a close game. Because like we broke down. There's not like right, the defenses. The offenses, there's not a whole lot of difference that it doesn't seem
0: like. No, no, absolutely. Again, like, the quarterbacks I think match up right. The kickers certainly match up right. I think it comes down to the trenches. And it's the offensive line for the Bengals against the defensive line for the Rams. That is the key matchup in this one. Can, do the Bengals have an answer? Do they, do they have a scheme ready to stop Aaron Donald? That's that's the, the key. That that's the difference for me in this game is what happens with Donald. One more stat to keep uh, yes. hold of here. I we love stats here, so yes, hit 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 it with me.
1: Cooper Cup has had one of the great years ever
0: for mm-hmm. a receiver. Triple Crown.
1: He yeah, he's won it all. He needs a hundred and sixty seven yards. To get 2,500 receiving yards. Uh, That is by far the most, including playoffs. I don't know if this wants to be a trivia question. Who previously, I guess, who who had the most receiving yards ever in a season, including the playoffs?
0: Jerry Rice has to be up there.
1: Jerry Rice is third.
0: Calvin Johnson.
1: is fourth without playoffs. He didn't need a playoff game, right. and he is still fourth. Uh, this guy, Randy,
0: 19, Is Randy Moss Randy up Moss, there?
1: No. This guy had 1,977 yards. It was the previous record. Cooper Cup has nearly 400 more yards than that. Wow. His, Cooper Cup has 170 catches for 2,333 yards and 20 touchdowns.
0: In twenty games. that's me. And we're going to have to put an asterisk by this, of course, because of that extra game. Um, well, we, these include the playoffs, too. Right, right. But just yeah, with, the, just with get, the, get seven, the seventeen more. regular season games. Okay, so there's there's two uh, there's two other guys then.
1: Cooper Cups one, Jerry Rice is three, Calvin Johnson is four.
0: Okay, and there's uh, what uh, what year? Two thousand
1: eight. I assume they made the the Super Bowl in 2008.
0: Okay, let me go back here 2007. Was the Giants and the Patriots? 2008, wait, oh, oh, shit. Was it, is it Marvin Harrison? Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald, oh, duh, okay. Was, oh, I was thinking that was the year after... Never mind, yeah, because that would have been the year they played the Steelers in the Super Bowl. Yep. Yep, and he had that miraculous game. Yeah, I was... I was one year behind there, so yeah. That wow, Larry Fitzgerald. So that's a that's a pretty good uh, uh, quartet of wide receivers there.
1: Cooper Cup, the first person ever to have two thousand receiving yards in a year. So is this should be? uh, I'm I'm, like, hopefully it's a good game. Hopefully it is good.
0: Yep, hopefully it's a good game. The super. Hopefully the commercials are good. Who knows what the halftime show is going to be like? Um, For those that care. Will bitch and complain about it. Um, even, the,
1: even the Super Bowl,
0: I'm the halftime show, which I care zero about any 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 year. Mm-hmm.
1: I actually look forward to it this year a little bit.
0: Okay, are you a, a little bit are you a big Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dr. Dre fan? Is that what I'm hearing? Who are you a big Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre fan? Is that what I'm hearing? Not so much, but it is an interesting choice. Yes,
1: in Los Angeles, and it's. It'll be. I think it'll be just as good as anything else I've ever seen. I thought Justin Timberlake's one was terrible in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. I thought last year's was dumb as fuck.
0: I feel bad for the weekend, though, because he had to, A, put up some money of his own, and, B, he wasn't allowed to have fans on the field. I think that changes things.
1: Either way, it's dumb. Um, Lady Gaga was okay. Katy Perry was okay. Mm-hmm. I
0: don't remember anybody else off the top of my head that really sticks out. Bruno Mars was uh, at the New York Super Bowl. He
1: was fine. I don't. Again, it's another one that's like I don't remember anything bad or good about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So until Prince died, I don't remember him playing that Bears and the Bears Colts in the rain. I don't remember that. Like, oh, Prince died. He did this. He did this. He was a halftime show, a Super Bowl, whatever. The I I don't. I did not remember that he
0: did that Super Bowl. Oh, I, I do. I was wanting him to play at the Minnesota Super Bowl if he had been be, alive then. Probably. Yeah. I think that would have been good. So,
1: it's, it's halftime. I mean, they've had these halftime shows of these that have the, uh, the championship games. And you look at the list of the Super Bowl halftime shows and they've evolved from college bands to actual performers. Like in the late 80s, early 90s, they actually put on a halftime show. Mm-hmm. And... And I, I, I despise them. Katy Perry had the the music video for some new song during the college football championship.
0: She did, yes. At the yep, at the, the, the debuted at Alabama Georgia this year. It was good
1: for her because a lot of I'm sure a lot of people watched it. But I don't care about that. It's like I it, I I don't care about any of that halftime shit. Well, like
0: and also, in between the third and fourth quarter, there was the big uh, unveiling of the Bob's Burgers movie trailer.
1: Oh, thank God. Thank God. All of this like, extra crap. Like I, I, I barely care about the game, let alone shit <laughs> that uh, I cannot care about on any other day, let alone this day. But 100 million people are going to watch. There's going to be uh, half of those that don't give two shits about football, so
0: we will see. We will. So, yes, Rams and Bengals playing, uh, meeting in the Super Bowl, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 p.m. Central Time on NBC. Other football news. Uh, the, the, the head coaching carousel continues to spin. We talked about Jim Harbaugh last week, how excited we were going to be about that hire. Uh, that didn't happen. The Vikings didn't even make an offer to him. It, uh, they, instead, they're going to go with Kevin O'Connell. The Rams offensive coordinators, so Vikings fans, I guess, have a little particular more interest in this Super Bowl here just to see what O'Connell can do with his play calling and whatnot. Uh obviously, I, I think the fan base was divided on Harbaugh initially. And then as it as we got closer and the more news came, like, oh, Harbaugh's flying in, and like this this is a legit, like he's gonna be the head coach and stuff. I think you got you got a lot more people excited, a lot more expectations rose. And then the longer the day went on on Wednesday and there was no news of a, of a hiring, it's like, uh, okay, what's going on here? Like you just felt like something was off. And then for the announcement to come, I guess shortly after 6.30 or whatever, uh, Central Time, 7.30 Eastern, that Harbaugh said he was returning to Michigan it's just like uh wait, what what happened here? And I still don't know what kind of turned the Vikings off. Was it was it off-putting that Harbaugh just expected that job to be his? Was there something else going on? I, I still don't know. It's disappointing, but they go with the next best selection in Kevin O'Connell. So at the end of the day, I'm not heartbroken that Harbaugh went, but it still would have been a rock star higher. For the Vikings, I don't know if if he got cold feet, if the Vikings got cold feet. I don't know what happened. I hope the owners didn't undermine Quazy uh, in in the hiring process. But but something something obviously happened, and I don't know if we'll ever truly know what's going on. But Harbaugh has said now that he's done chasing the NFL. Like that was just a one-time deal. So I I don't know. I don't know what's what's going on here
1: all these articles are from the people that cover the Vikings are out there. So here's what happened. And I read it and it doesn't tell me what happened. So it's so like, oh, we've got all the insights on what happened with, and then I read it and like, no, you don't, you don't, you don't know what happened because it's not in this article. So yeah, we'll probably never know. I think it was a case of Jim Harbaugh thought he had the job and the Vikings, like stupid Vikings would do say, Oh, we're going to interview this guy like a real fucking interview because the Vikings could probably fuck up a wet dream at this point. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was so disappointing. Like I, I got my hopes up a little bit, and like I'm smarter than that. I shouldn't do that with this stupid fucking team.
0: So
1: mm-hmm. uh, it was a good reminder for me to like, no, I, I can't get excited about this shit anymore. Because point, i fuck well, it uh, up in the. Yep. So hopefully they like the O'Connell. We'll see what happens, but
0: right or wrong. <laughs> He's ultimately going to be, his record is going to be compared to whatever Harbaugh might do or might have done for the Vikings. Like, and we won't know. We won't know what Harbaugh would have done with Minnesota. But people are going, if Kevin O'Connell isn't successful, they're going to be like, see, we should have hired Harbaugh. I don't know what success that necessarily, like, what defines success for O'Connell in his, uh, presumed to be coaching tenure here with the Minnesota Vikings. It, it's does it have to be a Super Bowl? Does it have to be, you know, multiple conference championship appearances? Like how close to the obviously every coach would love to win a Super Bowl, but there's no guarantee that Harbaugh would have won a Super Bowl either with the Vikings. So I I guess it's going to be tough though. Again, right or wrong, O'Connell is going to be compared to Harbaugh and if he struggles, people are going to say, "Well, this is why we should have gotten Harbaugh." So I think he's already coming in here with the deck with the deck stacked against him a bit, but I think he's got some real potential here. It's just and also I don't know who he's going to bring in. I would hope Keenan McCardle stays on as the wide receivers coach. I hope that uh, Andre Patterson can stick around as the defensive line coach because the Vikings have already lost their offensive line coach to Buffalo. They lost their special teams coach to to the Chargers, and he seemed to be pretty good. Like, they're losing a lot of guys here. Uh, We don't care that Clint Kubiak left for Denver. That's fine. That's not a loss. In fact, that's a net gain for the Vikings. But who is O'Connell going to bring in for his staff? Like, there are some, I think, anxious moments here, anxious times coming up just with, because it's so late for the Vikings getting the hiring official, because they can't make it until the Monday after the Super Bowl, it, it just seems like it's a little late in stuff getting going here, and they may be behind the eight ball a bit in terms of uh, the coaches that will either stick around or, you know, that they can get to bring on. Well,
1: you can't hire Lovey Smith because he's the new Texans coach. We yeah. messed out on Lovie Smith.
0: No, good, uh, good job by the, the Texans to, again, just keep uh, putting the, the word fun and dysfunctional. Oh, my gosh, what a terrible franchise.
1: We'll say the defense coordinator, I mean, it's fine. They'll all figure out whatever the hell these coaches are. But,
0: um,
1: ultimately, it comes down to you need players. You need good players to make good plays and win games. Mm-hmm. And Vikings have some good players. So, it's all about the quarterback. If this quarterback's around after next year, that's fucking stupid.
0: So, well, it's Adam, Adam Shepard said, thinks they're going to sign Kirk Cousins to an extension that will help drop the cap number. Fucking ridiculous. Um, O'Connell is high on Cousins, though. So doesn't that, does that help at all? Like, if he thinks uh, he can...
1: That's the negative. If you're high on him, I don't want you. I'd come in here and say, do you like our quarterback? Yeah, I love him. All right, thanks. Get the fuck out of here. We're going to watch his coach. <laughs> I... So, want to be a 500 team in the next three fucking years. Keep Kirk Cousins. Um,
0: so, we'll see what he thinks so, of him. I mean, fuck. Wouldn't it be nice, though, to have a guy who can utilize Kirk's skills and actually be an offensive-minded what head coach? The hell, what, what are Kirk Cousins' skills? I do know. He's got – he, he was one of the – down on and 12 to get
1: 4 yards, that's he, a skill. He was Not, the best downfield – an interception and taking a chance. That's a skill.
0: He was the best downfield thrower this year.
1: Arif Hasan had a really good thing at the Athletic
0: mm-hmm.
1: about Kirk Cousins. And it was, I think I finally figured out what pisses me off about Kirk Cousins. Okay. Finally. Okay. Finally. What, what is it about this guy? Because you look at the stats, and they're great. But obviously something's missing. And some of it has to do with third down. Some of it has to uh, do with getting first downs. He never takes a, a chance. His interception numbers are low. He never He never takes a chance. Which is good, but sometimes you need to take a chance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Probably because every game you play is close, and you can never, you can never close out a game. You can never turn a fourteen-point lead into a thirty-point win. It's always got to come down to the end. And, and if you're if you're down a couple scores, he can he can bring you back. But what I got from the article is he's not very good at third downs, and he's not he. he He's quoted as saying, like, he'll take what the defense gives him. Like, it's, if it's third and 12, he's not going to do more than he has to. He'll check it down. He'll get five yards. He'll live for the next down.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We'll never... Throwing more interceptions for him might be a good thing. We heard Zimmer say this year, be more aggressive. Throw the ball down the field. Be more aggressive sometimes. Throw an interception... Once in a while, quit being so careful about it. Quit living for the next play, for the next drive. Well, didn't he we? That's for fucking once. And he never, never does that.
0: Well, didn't we also? Though, well, I, I would say he's he threw a lot of deep balls to Justin Jefferson. I mean, there was the fourth down play against the Chargers earlier this season. But all didn't... those are
1: like in, in the article. They 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 touch on that. And all those are within the flow of the offense. They're not contested balls. They're, I mean, Jefferson's usually fairly wide open when he catches these deep passes.
0: So mm-hmm.
1: he will never, and you want to throw it to the open guy, you don't want to throw in the coverage. Uh, but sometimes you have to take a chance. And Cousins does not take a chance. He, third and long, not good. So I think that's why we see you know, one half they'll be great, mm-hmm. and then the, and the next half they'll be terrible. It's very frustrating.
0: I think some of that, though, is because he was handcuffed by the offensive coordinator in the play calling. That was, it, it wasn't it documented or wasn't it reported that he didn't have the option to switch out of a play? Like, he just had to go with the play call? He doesn't make calls at the line of scrimmage because that's not what Zimmer wanted. That's not what Kubiak wanted. Like, So give him some freedom at the offensive line to do some of this. That's why I think it's, it's a little unfair to... To say that he can't do it because he's never had an offensive-minded head coach like what well, in his time in Minnesota, anyway. Uh, you know, with the, the multiple different offensive coordinators and systems and whatnot. Let's give him a guy, a head coach who can utilize his talents and maybe tell him be more aggressive. Give him the freedom to change plays at the line of scrimmage if he sees it, like a Joe Burrow, like a you know Aaron Rodgers or whatever. Yeah, I'm not saying he's He's got the talent that Rodgers or Burrow does, but let's see what Cousins can do with a little more freedom. That's why I think if if he doesn't pan out in year one with O'Connell, sure, then let you know, let's cut the losses, let's find a new quarterback. But I think it's worth seeing again for the right price. Let's see what Cousins can do with O'Connell because he's never had that
1: in his 10th year, he'll be 34 years old next year. I think that if he could do that, they would let him. I don't think he can.
0: Well, that's uh, that's why I want to see if, the, if he can do it this year. That's why I want to see. And if not, then yes. Cut ties with him.
1: After what he's been with the Vikings for four years now. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of been spinning their wheels for the most part. And I feel like like he's audible before. I feel like he has done that before. And may, maybe this maybe this will completely change him in year eleven. I I, I don't expect that. But it's Kirk Cousins is just very frustrating for him to be be the way he is. Right. He's not aggressive. He just isn't. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know why, it's, it's, it's it frustrating.
0: It's very frustrating. Very frustrating. No, no way around it.
1: Um well, this guy likes him great, hopefully I can figure something out. Defense got to get better. We'll see, but I, I won't be excited about it. So, there we go.
0: Uh, Doug Peterson gets hired by the Jacksonville Jaguars. That seems like a pretty good hire uh, if he can get the most out of Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is on board with it, so that seems good. Mike McDaniel, the 49ers offensive coordinator, is going to be the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Uh, we'll, we'll see what, what happens there. Um, I like that one. I, I well, Nobody's ever heard of him.
1: He seems like a... Interesting guy, funny guy, but at least for entertainment, he should be fine. Mm-hmm. And all these guys talk about how smart these guys are. Oh, this guy's this guy's so smart. Fuck, he's so smart.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we'll see. It's like, I don't know, just you need players. Like I said last week, uh, is Zach Taylor a great coach now? No. Did he all of a sudden get better? No, he got Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Is <laughs> Sean McTay, so much better? Now, no. Because he had Jared Goff last year. He was just so-so. I always got Matthew Stafford this year. so and He's just so, so smart. These guys are geniuses. Bro, give, give me somebody that fucking wins some football That's
0: right. That's right. And the Texans, they have hired... Uh, Lovie Smith now, they were going to hire Josh McCown, but given, granted what happened last week in the landmark lawsuit that was filed by Brian Flores, former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, the Texans could not hire Josh McCown because that would just look absolutely ridiculous given that they fired David Culley and given that you know Brian Flores is out there, Eric B. is out there, the Texans could not hire Josh McCown. So they're going to go with Lovie Smith, Probably fire him for a year after, uh, you know, citing philosophical differences and approaches and whatnot. But this is a a huge, huge lawsuit that the that Flores has brought about to the NFL's doorstep, and the NFL immediately re- sent out a response saying that the the accusations in here were without merit. Then a couple of days later, like yeah, we're going to look into this actually because you look at it and the the allegations against. Uh, the Dolphins' owner Stephen Ross that he offered to pay Flores $100,000 per loss to tank in that year that uh, the the Dolphins ultimately picked fifth because he was smitten with uh, uh, Ross was smitten with, with Joe Burrow and it said they get to a Tagovailoa. I mean that's that's a huge accusation and if it if it's true and there's uh, you know an unnamed source that's kind of corroborated the the story. Then Ross should be—he uh, he should be forced to sell the team. He's got—he he can't keep him there. And I have a sneaking suspicion that it's true. And then you have Hugh Jackson uh, levying accusations against the Browns, and now Hugh Jackson is kind of backtracked from that. But that's Hugh Jackson being a dumbass. Um, It's—I think. I think Flores is certainly. I mean, the text message exchange between Bill Belichick and Brian Flores, it's not a. Oh, whoops! Here, I don't don't get that. I think Bill Belichick did it on purpose to get back at the NFL. That's a conspiracy theory going out there. But if that's even if not, that's blatant. Like reason why Flores brought this lawsuit out because the.
1: Why? Like why? I don't. I don't understand the Bill Belichick part of it. Well, why do, why does he texting Brian Flores? Congratulations, you got the Giants' job. Whoops, I've got the wrong Brian. It's actually Brian Dable. Like, what does that have to do with his allegations of racial whatever?
0: Because the because if the if Brian Dable was already going to get the job, like if that's what Bill Belichick had heard. And he was getting awarded the job before Brian Flores was even interviewing. And before they, then it's a sham interview because they had already made up their mind that they were going to hire Brian Dable. The only reason they're bringing Flores in is to comply with the Rooney rule. So if they already made that decision that they were going to hire Dable, then it is a sham interview. Like, why is Flores doing this? Like, that's so. I think this is a huge deal because i mean it just shows that Brian Flores never had a chance for the Giants job so why go why go in it like it's 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 a bad look for the Giants
1: there's plenty of interviews that happen or just the Rooney rule to bring in a black coach oh, you yeah. have
0: to. yeah there there have been this is i think this is just the final straw well, i think the
1: Rooney rule showing that it doesn't work There are fewer black coaches than ever. Fewer head coaches that are black than ever. And this rule's been around for 10 years or however long it's been around. Yep. And this was supposed to get more black coaches, and now there's two and a half, I guess, black coaches in the NFL. So, yeah, that rule doesn't work too hot. Um, Nothing's going to happen with this. There's like going to be...
0: I I don't know. This... I think the NFL is is uh, looking at uh, some awfully difficult times ahead because Congress is going to get involved. Now, granted, you know Congress can't get much right. But they, if they're looking into this, if this has piqued their interest, along with the Washington football team scandal, now Washington Commanders, ooh, yeah, what a great job. Thanks, Joe Theismann, for leaking that name last week uh, before the announcement came but now you have more allegations against Daniel Snyder and the written report. Where is it? Oh, why didn't you want it? Like, what are you trying to cover up here, NFL? This is, there's more damning evidence here in this Washington scandal. You combine that with this Brian Flores lawsuit and the NFL is looking at two potentially significant things that I don't, I'm not going to say will bring them to their knees, but this could definitely shape in... It, it could change the landscape of the NFL or potentially, like, knock it down a peg. Not saying it brings it all the way down, but these are serious allegations here, especially if Congress gets involved here. I, I'm i not saying, like, the, the NFL's not going to go unscathed with these investigations.
1: Like there's a new big NFL thing every six months or a year. Like, nothing's going to—nothing ever happens— because so many things have come and gone, mm-hmm. and nothing stays the same, and nothing happens.
0: I know this just feels different well, to me. It, to me, but it, it, this, isn't, this isn't
1: surprising. That it might be surprising that you know, all oh, pay a hundred thousand dollars to lose these games, and I think they won. I think they won like three of their last five that season. that's this apparently happened a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Like none of this is surprising. Mean, the NFL is a racist league run by racist people. hmm Every owner is white.
0: Except for Shad um, Khan. And he's, he's not black. No, he's he's Arabic, I think, right? Arabic, he from I guess and, uh,
1: and so I mean how does it change? We really need not so much from the from the bottom up, you need black coaches. You need black owners from mm-hmm. the top down. Mm-hmm. So, I think they're, they're taking the approach of, oh, we'll have black coaches and I'll we'll hire black assistants and we will have more, you know, the league's 70% black and they've got two black coaches, mm-hmm. which doesn't add up. You need people who are owners who are black to mm-hmm. hire black people.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because the owner,
1: owners control all of this and they're all white. Mm-hmm. And they kick Colin Kaepernick out and they kick Eric Reed out and they'll kick out whoever they don't like
0: mm-hmm.
1: or saying things that they don't want them to say. Yeah. So when this all gets done, maybe they'll make the guy sell the team. Other than that, I don't, there's nothing that is going to happen. There's nothing anybody can do Congress or anybody else. Um, they put the end racism and all this stuff on the back of their helmets in mm-hmm. the back of the end zones for the last two years. Mm hmm. And they're applauded for that, and that's really all they have to do. Mm-hmm. And they throw money at certain initiatives and say, "See, we've we've done our part. We gave ten million dollars to this charity, and yep, I... we put end, end racism on our field. See, 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 all what we're doing. Well, none of that stuff actually matters at all. Oh, I, I agree.
0: I so I agree, but I, I mean, think now, if
1: NFL you... is there's nothing that can touch them. There's nothing that can bring them down. This is the latest thing, good for Brian Flores. He'll never coach again. Right. So we decided to, to make that.
0: Well, he's the martyr in this. I mean, he's sacrificing his coaching career here, you know, for that. But I do th- like, if two owners are forced to sell the team, their teams, Washington, you know, with Daniel Snyder and then Miami with Stephen Ross, that's a huge deal. You've just forced two, like, because of two investigations, two teams are going to have new ownership because of uh, improprieties or, or, di- or bad things that happen. It, it shows that then that the NFL isn't untouchable. And whether or not this lawsuit, I don't know what's gonna happen to it. I don't know what uh, like what financial penalty the like Congress would possibly be able to enforce on the NFL but this is not something to be taken lightly and Flores is uh, lawsuit, could ultimately bring down Stephen Ross for a different ultimately, reason.
1: If these two owners have to sell, that would be a positive for the NFL.
0: Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. To get rid of Dan Snyder would be... If they could find a way to just just, just pull the... It's weird that they wanted to get rid of John Gruden for whatever reason, mm-hmm. but they don't want to release whatever this Washington thing is.
0: Yeah, it's... Those
1: it's things that have come out here and there, and it's like, you know... Donald Sterling had to sell the Clippers, and the Clippers are good now. Yes, yep. Well, so maybe Washington could get good all of a sudden if they get rid of their owner. And for the NFL to put out, I know the NFL is full of shit, yep. because when they put out a statement two hours after this lawsuit or after the news breaks, Yes. and they said there was no merit to it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: how do you know this happened two,
0: two hours ago? Exactly. You can't fucking figure out Deshaun Watson's Year long fucking saga of sexual assault, but you can somehow
1: figure out in the span of an hour or two mm-hmm. that Brian Flores is full of shit. Yes. So I... it's, all, it's all just games and it doesn't, none of it matters. Right,
0: but I don't think anyone, I, I think when the NFL put that statement out, they were chastised more for like, they Like, they were ridiculed for that statement because how do they know if they didn't, like, I uh, yeah. Exactly, I mean, or they know something's going on, and they're trying to disprove it or like discredit, uh, make Flores look weak and insignificant and wrong in this. They want to try and change the the perception or the, the public opinion on this. And I don't think it's going to necessarily work. I wish NFL Network would have done more in covering this story last week, like especially Good Morning Football. But I get that they're in a bit of a difficult spot because they are on a show owned by the league. So the league is probably going to say, you know, put the kibosh on certain things, just like you would at any network like CNN talking about Chris Cuomo or Fox news talking about Bill O'Reilly or whatever the hell, like all the, the issues and scandals going on at each of those networks. You're not going to talk about it as much. You're going to tell your person, your on-air personalities. Hey, uh, let's not broach or breach this subject here. Let's not bring it up. Uh, and talk about it because it doesn't make us look good. Well, this certainly doesn't make the NFL look good, and they want to make sure that Brian Flores doesn't look good as a result. But, I mean, look, just even think back to Carolina, the the Panthers forcing Jerry Richardson to sell the team because of the sexual assault allegations against him. That went away very quietly, but David Tepper uh, became their new owner, the, the new owner of the Panthers, this is going to, I think, have far more reaching ramifications because now the spotlight is on them and people want to see what is going to happen. And I hope, I hope that the the pressure keeps getting put on. I hope that this doesn't get swept under the rug after the Super Bowl gets done and, and we go into the offseason. I hope that uh, the lawsuit keeps getting a lot of attention. I hope that uh, that the NFL has to open up more about the Washington uh Scandal and force Dan Snyder to to sell and and talk about what they need to do differently. I hope Congress. I this is one thing that I want Congress to get involved with, and I want them to make the NFL sweat. And I want them to take the. We've. I remember uh, Mark Cuban, the the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, said that uh, eventually, like the he said something to the fact that the or the fact that the NFL is kind of like the fat pig and stuff, and eventually it's gonna you know you're going to kill the the swine or you know the, 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 let me see if i can get that that uh, exact quote because this may be that time that the nfl who's immune to just about anything out there this these two things they might not be immune to this this might take the league down a bit not saying it's going to take him down for ratings, but if like you, if you are a woman and you, if you're a fan of the NFL, how can you look at this Washington thing and be like, "Yeah, this is a or, this is a, not only a team I want to cheer for, but this is a, a sport I want to embrace and she, like"? How? How can you it, it, look at what the NFL is trying to do to cover it up? It means, yeah, we don't care what Dan Snyder is doing to these women. Like, how? How? How is that? How is that good?
1: You or me may care about this and think it's bad, and it is. But what I've learned these past five years is is people don't care about any of this stuff. People's morals, they don't have any anymore. They elect a guy who's a fucking child predator and sexual assaulter, and they don't care about it. They should, but they don't. So, again, this is going to be another story like all the others that... it's, it's not going to matter at all. Here, here's. But like this, story is probably as big as it's going to be right now. It's already, it's already dead.
0: Yep.
1: Like this should be like a huge like an owner said, I will pay you money to lose games. Like I feel like that's like a you know Pete Rose was banned for baseball for betting, and I don't know if he bet on it. He said he never bet on his own or uh, on his own team or against his own team. Mm-hmm. This is an owner betting on against his own team essentially. Saying, like, lose these games.
0: Yeah, this is, yeah.
1: Yep. I mean, that that should be the biggest fucking story uh, that there's there been in decades in the NFL.
0: Especially with the NFL getting into legalized gambling as much as they are. Like, this throws the whole fabric or the the, the, the trust that the fans have in these games. It puts it into question. And now you're wondering, But then ultimately, well, but then ultimately nobody cares about it. I think it's going to get more... I think if you get more uh, information on, on Stephen Ross and, and more uh, corroboration that this story is indeed accurate, I think it's going to piss a lot of people off because that's that's money oh. that you're gambling. How do you know that the product you're gambling on is remotely true? Like you may as well call it then the WWE. I mean, it's because it's fake. It's a predetermined... The thing about it is uh, I it
1: feels like the coaches the players, at least the coaches said, no, we're not doing that. Right. So even though that's what the... That's what they wanted to do, that's what ownership wanted to do. It feels like Brian Flores said, No, we're not doing
0: that. Right. And as a result though, he got fired for it. Yeah, you, know, you could talk about the Stephen Ross can say, Oh, we we just, you know, didn't the relationship wasn't good. Well no shit, because you tried to lose and Flores said, Yeah, fuck you. I'm gonna try and win games. Like this is this is uh just I think this is if you know people who are gambling on the NFL they're hearing this, they're like, well, is this, was this legit outcome? Like, who's trying to, to fix these games? Who's trying to lose games? Because that's my money, I'm betting. Here's that uh, that quote, and I don't agree with this entirely by Mark Cuban, but this was said uh, about uh, in 2014. So, again, take it for what it's worth. It's almost eight years old. He says, uh, quote, I think the NFL is 10 years away from implosion uh I'm just telling you, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered, and they're getting hoggy. Just watch. Pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. When you try to take it too far, people turn the other way. I'm just telling you, when you've got a good thing and you get greedy, it always, 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 that's five, always, I think there, turns on you. That's rule number one of business. Now, he's saying this and That was, what, eight years ago, and here we are, two years away from his prediction, and it didn't wrap up. I, I get that, but there are... Elements of this, where the NFL may have finally overstepped, and that's why I think it's critical or crucial that these stories keep being put in the main, the the main headlines here, the, the spotlight. Whether or not that happens or not, if the NFL can make these stories go away, I it the odd the the odds are in their favor that these stories eventually go away and nothing gets yeah. done. But the fact that Congress is involved and wants more information on it tells me then that this isn't going to go away, that this will continue to be a headache and that, you know, we'll hear more from the floor. So I don't, I think this could be a turning point. I hope it is. We'll see. But I, I'm just saying bookmark this, uh, this event that happened last week, what uh, February or was it? Yeah. February 1st, 2nd, whenever it was of the, the time that maybe the NFL was weakened a bit by by uh, forced, by their own greed and racism.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's going to matter at all because I would say most of their fans don't care at all about this.
0: And that's unfortunate.
1: That is, I mean, they were more pissed off that they were supporting Black Lives Matter and all this other stuff a couple of years ago. Exactly. And then the radio, there were a few million people that watched. Like, oh, we don't want to watch this because they support black people now. It's like... That's that's more what the NFL crowd is than than this. So oh, yeah. uh, I don't been, think their just, fans care.
0: Yeah, it's just a racist country uh, overall. Yeah,
1: why? Yeah, that's why I've been turned off by him for quite some time because of because of stuff like this. It's it's dirty, dirty business. Mm-hmm. And yeah, why anybody would support and watch it? I don't know, but we all do. when We all watch the games. And,
0: but if we yeah. could we could take a look at like that from the the Chicago Blackhawks trying to cover up that sexual assault scandal with the, with the Kyle Beach yeah. back in twenty ten. We could look at it with the Phoenix Suns now too in the NBA with their toxic workplace culture and stuff, and say, well, we can't support yeah. the Suns, and even though yeah they're a fun team to watch, but I can't support them. I can't support the NBA because of this. So it would have to be that way across the board. So it I I'm just curious to see where where this goes, but. Um,
1: If there's something I've learned over the past five years, the number one thing I have learned over the past five years Mm -hmm. is that there are more dumb people out there than I thought. Mm -hmm. And that if people don't get a shot for COVID to prevent a million people from dying in two years, there's a lot of stuff they don't care about. If Mm -hmm. they don't care about themselves, then they certainly don't care about other people.
0: Right. So. Right. So. We'll see what happens there. We'll, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll monitor it and follow along. And people,
1: I mean, quite, and people just aren't smart enough to understand anything. Yeah. Like they don't believe anything. And there's so many dumb people out there that I would, believe things that are not
0: true. I would say to that point, though, there's a lot of misinformation being put out there by me, different media sources that it puts some distrust uh, from people, from the public to the media. Like, if you're hearing two or three different things from two different outlets, how do you know which one to believe? Now, there's one about, like, a reputation, but, I mean, Adam Schefter was trying to put out a lot of information regarding, uh, what, what the hell was he doing the other day? Yeah, don't, way? if it's Adam
1: Schefter, I don't,
0: right, but, again, don't don't
1: believe him, because he's full of shit.
0: But there are a lot of people who do believe that. And then they, I know, and
1: that's, that's something that people have to come to realize that, yeah, he's full of shits. He's in the owner's pockets, he's in the agent's pockets. There's a lot that came out in the last year that showed, oh yeah, Adam Schefter's really non-ethical. Like, for him to, I don't know if I mentioned this last week or whenever the hell it was, but when he emailed his story, I think to to the Titans owner or whoever it was. Washington,
0: it was was Bruce Allen. Again, it involves the Washington uh, now commanders. Any, he, any, he, it was Titans, Washington, whoever it was. And he
1: said, "Here, editor, look at this story. Mm-hmm. Make sure." Could Could you imagine Matt Zimmer emailing Justin a story mm-hmm. and saying, "Here, editor, look at this. Look at look at this over before I I, I print it." Right. Could you imagine USD beat writers? Yes. Uh, emailing the uh, USD AD David Herbster and saying, "Here, David, uh, look at my story over here and see what you think." I mean, that is like anybody anybody else would be fired for what he did. Right. Right. And again, like another thing, there are no consequences anymore. There are no consequences
0: mm-hmm.
1: anymore. You can do stuff yeah, you can do stuff. And it doesn't matter. Like he would get fired. But no, not not at ESPN, not here. Yeah. And just like this NFL thing, there are no consequences for and then and if the consequences losing your NFL team they're still billionaires, so I think they'll
0: be fine. Yeah, and I just think there's a lot of inf- misinformation from multiple people. It's not just one specific person, but it does make people have that distrust, and it does ultimately lead to some stupidity in their or different opinions. Now, most of us can decipher what the correct information is, but there are some who are played by certain members of, of the media or of society, and that, that does...
1: That's why Fox is the highest rated news channel. And they're not even news. Oh, well, yeah. So.
0: It's Tucker Carlson. But, anywho, well, that's not <laughs> Uh Let's see. What else do we need to get into here? College basketball? Uh, anything else NFL related we need to get into?
1: No, Vikings screwed up again, as they usually do. Uh, hopefully, it's a good game. It's been, uh, been close games. There's been a couple of really good football games or playoff games. And, you know. Hopefully the Bengals win. I'd really like it for Cincinnati if they if they could win because they've they haven't been good in a long time.
0: Uh, college basketball uh, continues to progress. Uh, Duke uh, coach Kane his last ever game at the at the Dean Center just kicked the crap out of North Carolina. North Carolina's tourney hopes are facing a, a big uh, they're they're dwindling. That's how I that's the best I can say. What did I tell who did I tell you last week? You need to keep an eye on. Oh, shit. Wyoming? You betcha. And what did Wyoming do last week? They went 3 30- Big win. They
1: beat uh, the Boise State or did they beat?
0: They beat Colorado State on Monday night. They beat Boise State at home. And then they went to Fresno State on Sunday and beat them. Hunter Maldonado is the name to remember come March. Wyoming's a, a tournament team. Moldenado is very good. I'm tell, I I've, i I've fallen in love with this Wyoming team this year. They're very, very good. The Mountain West is going to get four, maybe five teams into the NCAA tournament here. South Dakota State continues to win. They beat, uh, they, they didn't have a great showing against North Dakota last week, but they beat uh, the the Yotes in Vermilion. The women beat USD. It was a great day to be a Jackrabbit. Uh, and, I saw for whatever it's worth, like the mid major Twitter handle. They ranked mm-hmm. uh SDSU as the number one mid major in the country. I'm not sure if I can go quite that far. The shooting I think is... it was
1: small. I was like small mid that might be like small majors. That might be like the third tier of teams.
0: Yeah, it's not it's not they're not not the major. Mountain
1: West, not the, no. the AAC, not all
0: the right, teams. not the West Coast Conference or that at least not uh Gonzaga. They don't consider Gonzaga. Yeah. Mid-major, but for whatever it's worth, they have SDSU ranked number one. I think SDSU's shooting, uh, especially from three, has gone down a bit, so that you'd like to see that get up there a little bit, but they find ways to win. Uh, Oral Roberts with a big loss last week, so the Jacks are now, what, two and a half games up on Oral Roberts. It would seem to be that the one seed is going to be theirs. Uh, you have, I think there's still a lot of kind of scrambling. I would love to see ultimately North Dakota State get the 2 and USD fall down to 6 or get the 3 because I don't think that's going to happen. Or hell, how about NDSU get 3 and USD 6 because they're going to knock each other out and someone's going to face the Jacks in the championship game. Um, You'd prefer
1: not to play NDSU, USD, or Roberts.
0: You would, but I think you have a... I I don't know. There's just so much chaos within the Summit League. I don't know. I mean, you're looking at uh, potentially USD and NDSU meeting in the first round of the Summit League tournament. Uh, And Oral Roberts doesn't seem to be as good. I hate that the expectations are this high for South Dakota State because ultimately if they lose in the Summit League tournament, it is going to be a massive disappointment. But this seems like such a different team this year. And given the way that uh, Oral Roberts looks a little bit, how NDSU and USD are a little sketchy. It Like, this seems like it's SDSU's to lose.
1: Yeah, they have to win it again, and there's been so many years where they've come up short. And that's fresh in people's minds when you come up short again. And, well, they're 12-0. They have the third longest winning streak in the country now. Mm-hmm. And when you're twelve and zero, and really the only thing what, they got Oral Roberts one more time, I think.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, February twenty I mean, fourth.
1: I mean, I mean, they they've swept USD and they've swept NDSU. That never happens. Mm-hmm. And they had bet past Oral Roberts one more time. Then they should go at probably what eighteen and zero in
0: the conference. Potent- hopefully, if they can beat Oral Roberts.
1: And at that point, I mean, you, you got to win the thing. And even if you don't, you have to win this conference again. And and they and they've been the best team. For how many years now? Ten years in a row, basically, they've been the best team.
0: Mm-hmm. One of is like, top two, top three.
1: So, yeah, I get there this year, win a game, and a good one for the women. And I was surprised at how high their net ratings were, and RPI, I guess, net ratings is the thing. Mm-hmm. And I cause I figured, you know, there's no way it's a two bid league again. But if they're both in the top 40, It's like it feels like they're in the discussion. If you're in that top 40, you're going to be right there. To where if you don't make the tournament, you're going to be among those first four or five out. Even though uh, SDSU has eight losses, mm-hmm. and this is another thing where both of these teams are going to have one loss heading into the championship game, and they're going to be to each other. So it's good yeah. for them to beat teams like they have been beating them, and maybe they maybe they both get in. SDSU has a better strength of schedule. Mm-hmm. They their their non conference was a lot better than USD's, I was just gonna but they didn't but but they didn't win any of those games. So USD has a couple of good quality wins that SDSU doesn't have. Well,
0: so, yep, yes, I I agree with that. Uh, I mean, certainly, and
1: ultimately, you got to win some of these games. And mm-hmm. USD they beat Creighton, they beat somebody else, and SDSU lost them all, and they were without my selling for a lot of them. So. Um,
0: Well, and I think, don't you have to kind of play that out? Like, that's a factor in this that uh, the Jacks didn't have Maya Selland or certainly not when Selland was at full strength. They do have a win against UCLA. They have a close loss to Missouri State. They have close losses to Mississippi State. Uh, The Kansas State game, you would like to have seen that win. But, I mean, these are close games uh, that the Jackrabbits had, uh, just pulling up USD's schedule. Now, I agree with you, like – how close the RP or the, the RPIs are, or the, the net ratings, That was surprising to me. Uh, I would think if both teams went out, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't USD get the, the one seed because they have the better overall record.
1: I don't know how that works. That would make sense to me. Um, SDSU, they've played, uh, I think they played eight top 100 teams in the non-conference. And, uh, yeah, USD, and the good win versus Creighton, which is a top 100 win,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they also beat. Uh, I guess that was only that was the only one. Then uh, they're 39th, I guess, in one RPI ranking. I mean, they played South Carolina, Oklahoma, their top 10 teams or top 10 RPI.
0: Yep, and that Oklahoma loss was only by two, so that's big. They, that that Creighton win was a two point win. Um, I mean,
1: ultimately, I don't know if they they, they probably both don't get in. And if they do, it's going to be one of the final spots. But these two teams have proved, I'd say, this year and the last couple of years, they're among the top 30 teams in the country, mm-hmm. I would say. So, you know, the the best teams don't always get in, but they they should, just based on the eyeball test, they're better than most.
0: Don't we think right now South Dakota State's a better team than USD? Tom. Huh? Don't we think right now South Dakota State's a better team than USD? Uh, Just with uh, with, with Seland now and yeah, you, I mean, you well, see, at, like, at full strength, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I, I think Paige Meyer has really played well. I mean, she's a freshman; she's fantastic. Right. I think you know, you're starting to see more confidence in her. But I mean, I think Sellen is yeah. the difference maker. I mean, you what USD has Hannah Severin or or Severin? It's still playing, and and she's really good, but. I I just look at USD or at, at SDSU and I see the way Selenth playing and I love the way Paige Meyer is playing that I I think they have not only a better team but I think they're playing better right now than USD so if they meet or when they meet in the Summit League championship game in in Sioux Falls I think I think SDSU gets that win. I think they they're just a better team right now. I would say so.
1: Yes. So yeah, are a their deeper team. I would say. Yeah.
0: And at the at the risk of jinxing it, which I hope I don't, hear, uh, on the men's side there are eight undefeated teams in conference play right now: Gonzaga, Murray State, uh, I uh, Vermont, Wagner, uh-huh. uh, Auburn, SDSU, and there's I think a couple other ones. Out there, uh, Iona lost over the weekend. Uh, new Orleans lost over the weekend, so that there maybe it's down to six now. But either way, like SDSU, this is new. This is new for us. We don't see SDSU undefeated in conference play this late. Normally, they have yeah. a loss early on in the year, and yes, they have good conference records, but but this is new, this is different, and I hope they embrace it. And if Noah Friedel can ever figure it out and get his act together. I don't know what his, if he can get his mental health issues figured out and fixed. If that's whatever the case may be, that's just another added weapon for the Jacks. And right right now, arguably, I think you could use him just because their three-point shooting is down a little bit. But they're getting contributions from everyone, from Easley to Arians. So of course, Baylor Shireman. Wilson is playing really well. At this... We've we've grown up we've seen uh these great SDSU teams with with Walters and with Dom, but the depth that this team has and just the contributions that they get from all around, they don't have to rely on one player. Yes, Baylor Shireman and, and Douglas Wilson are their two primary guys, but they get contributions from a lot of other guys. Zeke Mayo coming off the bench. Like he's fantastic. There's just I don't want to set myself up for disappointment like we are with the Vikings you know, last week and the Harbaugh and stuff, but like, if not now, when? Come on, Jax. You you, you can't lose in the Summit League tournament this year. You just can't, not with the way yeah. things are going.
1: The teams are like one of their better teams, and, yeah, they, they can't lose. They would be disappointed, and everybody should. They're, they're, they're clearly the best
0: team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed Cooley and Providence, they are a team to watch out for. Uh. They're really good. Uh, Auburn escaped with a win last week. Again, Duke had the very impressive win against UNC. Uh, UCLA's kind of tumbling. Gonzaga kicked the crap out of BYU. So I, I think Gonzaga's really playing well at the right time. What else stuck out to you in the college basketball world?
1: Not a lot. Okay. Uh, Georgia beat. They did Georgia lose to Auburn? That was yes, the they did. Part.
0: Yep, by two. By two.
1: There were a couple of... Um, teams that are just out of the tournament that gave some scares to some of those teams. Kansas beat the shit out of Baylor. Uh, the Big 12 is probably the best conference this year. Make all the teams in the top 100. Um, NACC continues to be off.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Miami losing over the weekend. Uh, Notre Dame kind of playing their way in here. I have a hard time. I, I, I get that the Big Twelve is really good, but I think Oklahoma's kind of fallen off a bit. Hopefully, they don't make the the tournament. Um, we'll see. West Virginia doesn't look like they're gonna make it, at least right now. I I still might favor the SEC a little bit as the best conference overall, just because of what Auburn's done and Kentucky playing really well. Arkansas has kind of come out of nowhere here. Yes, you have some. Bad teams like Mississippi State and Florida that haven't played up to standard. Well, I guess you know, LSU is really struggling lately. They're falling off the map. Alabama's kind of struggled. Tennessee, you never know. But, okay, yeah, I'll give it to you. Big 12's better.
1: And they don't have those bottom feeders like the SEC. They just don't have teams, so they don't have those Vanderbilts and teams that suck.
0: Right, right. So. But yeah, we are uh, what 32 days, I think John Rothstein had said uh, as of Monday, away from uh, selection Sunday. So that's great. Uh, I think CBS this week may be um, on their on their show. We'll have the committee chair on. I hope that's the case because I want to see first the-
1: brackets, for the uh, top four scenes this week. Is that what's happening th-
0: there? I think so. It was roughly this year or this time last year that they did it. So I, I want to say they're going to do it this week it would make sense a month away from selection sunday that they do this but i'm curious to see what the seedings will be like who do you who do you put as that fourth team in there because auburn's going to be number one georgia uh, gonzaga's going to be number one they're going to be a one seed uh does purdue get it does arizona get maybe does kentucky sneak in there uh what about Duke? Duke's playing really well right now. Can't it, then you have the Big Twelve? Like how do you how do you put all of these teams—the Kansases, the the, uh, the the Baylor's, the Texas Tech? Uh, I mean, I just mentioned Providence and how well they're doing, but they there's nothing about Providence that you can really point to as like, wow, this is a dominant team or look how good Providence is. They have a star player. They don't have really any stars. They have it's so where where does Providence fit in all of this? Like, would you take would you take a Providence over a UCLA team right now, or an Illinois, even though they're ranked higher than both those teams?
1: No, Illinois is better. UCLA is better.
0: Right. So it's it's tough to peg where Providence is at. Uh, Yeah, it it, it, Murray State is right. Murray, uh, they're ranked this year or this week.
1: UCLA had a terrible loss versus Arizona State.
0: Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Triple overtime? Oof.
1: Yeah, three overtime is a great game. Nobody saw it because it was not a good night. But, um, yeah, a terrible loss for them.
0: Uh, NHL All-Star weekend this last weekend. Uh, what was your favorite part?
1: I didn't see any of it. <laughs> I saw a couple of Twitter highlights of that game yesterday, and they, they have to stop playing that game.
0: Oh, the NFL Pro Bowl? Yeah, I didn't watch at all. So
1: uh... Like some, I mean, they were, I mean, how do you declare a guy? I mean, it was
0: bad. Yeah, it's two-hand touch. Just do the skills competition. Skills competition was fun. Just do that. Yep. Name it. That's the way you celebrate it. Name the Pro Bowlers. Yeah, the Pro Bowl is a joke. And the uh, on the NBA side, there's talk that maybe James Harden should be done in uh, Brooklyn. I don't know if that's... I don't see that happening. I, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Uh, the... The East Row is incredibly tight. The, the Brooklyn Nets have lost eight in a row, and if the season were to end today, they would be in the play in tournament. Yeah. They've been a disappointment
1: because their best player their third best player is an idiot. Yeah. And James Jordan doesn't care anymore, apparently, which is becoming a theme. And Durham was hurt. So And there, there's like what, a game or two between the top five, six seeds, so it's very exciting. Yep, and the Cleveland, Miami, Chicago, Milwaukee, they're all up there
0: Cleveland is, I think, the, the biggest surprise oh, yeah. this
1: year Huge LeBron will go back there in a couple years That'll be exciting
0: If they get Bronny He wants to play with Bronny, his son so, uh, He'll
1: Tim- get will pick him just to get LeBron
0: Timberwolves are a 7 seed They're a game back of the Nuggets for the 6 seed So watch out for the Timberwolves here uh, They gotta keep playing well But i have been impressed by them, and I, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that uh, that uh, uh, well, Kawhi Leonard had even played this year for the Clippers. Uh, that shows how much I've been paying attention yeah. to the NBA and the Clippers. I, I completely spaced it out that he that he wasn't playing, so my bad.
1: Go. Timberwolves are up there for surprise teams, and then Memphis would be right there, too. Yes,
0: yep. Jaw, it's all about Jaw, Jaw Morant. Yeah, he's having a
1: hell of yeah.
0: Olympics going on, as I mentioned. Uh, anything else we need to get to?
1: No, that's about it. Just kind of a football game and college basketball, and Olympics are terrible,
0: so that's, that's normal. So. Well, yeah, yeah, not been great yeah. for the USA so far. Um, no. And NBC trying to never as I,
1: as I always say, people, I have no idea who they are doing things. I have no idea what they're doing. So. Oh,
0: Michaela Schifrin. You've, got a, you, you've never heard of Michaela Schifrin? I think so. I think I have. Okay.
1: And a lot of things, like, if somebody does something in these Olympics, I have no context of, is it good? Like, oh, this person did this thing, they jumped this far, they finished the race in this amount of time. Like, if I watch a basketball game, and if I know a team scores 120 points, I know that's a lot of points. If a player scores 30, I know that's a pretty good game. I can watch these other sports, and I have context of, oh, this is good, this is bad. These other things, I don't care enough to learn about it. (laughs) And like I have no idea. Oh, speed speed skating—they finished in a minute. I have no idea if that's good. It's a world record. Great. You mean the... I, the, I, have, I have no context to that.
0: These uh what? like this these ski jumps where they do a 1080 uh, ski grab or heel grab or whatever the yeah, hell. Yeah, like they it's very doing.
1: impressive looking. It's great. Uh, but I've never skateboarded. Don't plan to. So I have maybe put pickleball in the Winter Olympics. I all not
0: there, there we, we go. go. I think that's more of a summer event. <laughs> I suppose uh, But yeah We'll keep an eye on that And uh, yeah Plenty more college basketball Talk coming up Here next week But we'll uh, hopefully Hope for a good Super Bowl We'll react to it next week yeah. uh, Good luck with the podcast This week uh, You had uh, Patrick Duffy On last week So yeah. that was uh, That was good um, who, any, Anyone lined up this week?
1: So waiting for Jeff Perlman. Who writes a lot of books I like And he's been busy And this and that And so We will see all right. Well, good luck. He's always the number one option, but this could be months. Who knows? Waiting well, on him.
0: Well, good luck with the podcast, regardless this week, and uh, enjoy the Super Bowl. And we will talk to you next week, my friend. All right. Enjoy. We'll see. You, uh, we'll see you next week. Sounds good. Travis is joining me here on the Sports Block podcast. Always appreciate his time, as always. So we certainly differ on uh, a few things there regarding our pick for the Super Bowl, regarding you know the Vikings' stance and you know Kirk Cousins and whatnot. Uh, I I'm hopeful. I, I shared Prince's uh, skepticism that this will that the that this uh, the, the Flores lawsuit and the the recently new allegations that have come out um, regarding the Washington now commanders will will do anything uh, if the NFL will will get these headlines swept under the rug but I, I hope this is a sign of change and I hope it does take the NFL down a peg because uh, they need it the, the, there's just certain behavior that's going on that 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 can't be allowed or, or um, um, accepted anymore. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But we will keep talking. We'll, we'll talk some more NFL here. With uh, we had the Senior Bowl this last week and the East West Shrine Game. Well, some players that will be in the NFL here come come next year and whose whose names will get called come uh, April's draft. We'll talk with Jeff Lloyd, second from the Lockdown Browns podcast. Who did who impressed him? Who maybe didn't, and uh, what was his overall reaction? Maybe we'll get a Super Bowl pick as well. That's coming up next here on the Sports Block podcast, available on podcast.com and now available back on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter, at Andy Stackin, Facebook, Nathan Stackin, Travis Grins on Twitter, at Travis Grins. A link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. But again, coming up next, Jeff Lloyd II with with some thoughts on what we saw last week in the college football All-Star Games. Who made their mark? Who made a good impression? Who didn't? talk about that next here on the sports block podcast available on podcast.com and on itunes we are continuing here on the sports block podcast and the uh, senior arisa senior week is is complete the east west shrine game is done and now the real well there was plenty of work done last week and now we get to wait for the combine and who better to break that down with than our good friend from the lockdown browns podcast jeff lloyd ii jeff how are we doing
2: we're good, Nathan. Uh, you know, sitting here, uh, you know, with the All Star games in the book, Super Bowl Sunday about to uh, you know wrap here this week. Um, then you figure, you know, with the list of the Combine entrance being released today, three hundred and twenty four names uh, that'll run March first through the seventh. Then you know, after that, we start looking right into you know the beginning of uh, the free agent cycle. So you know, we've got about a month to play here, and then you know things going to start to really, really ramp up.
0: Let's just, let's uh, just. Touch briefly on that list of the of Combine participants. Uh, as you mentioned, over 300 members uh, going to Indianapolis, potentially for the last time. I hope they keep the Combine Indianapolis, but that's for another time and another day. Uh, any names stick out to you, maybe that you were surprised that got an invite or maybe noticeably absent?
2: Um, for me, the biggest one is I don't know how you have the nation's leading receiver in receptions yardage and tied for touchdowns in Jalen Sharon's 150 over nine hundred seventeen touchdowns. I, I think it kind of blows my mind that, you know, a player like that doesn't get this opportunity. Um, for me, yeah, that's that's a real tough one,
0: buddy. <laughs> so we'll go to the East West shrine game first. That was last week in Vegas. Uh, I mean, Pierre Strong Jr. 65 yard touchdown. One of the NFL Network, Cynthia Freeland, said that she, uh, she was maybe projecting him to get a touchdown in the game, so that was cool. A uh, couple uh, who really stuck out to you in the East-West Shrine Game?
2: Um well, look, a couple of things for me. Obviously, you, you know, for you, Pierre Strong. Um, obviously, that one hit close to home, so yep. um, certainly a great, great moment for him, and you know, in that opportunity. Um, I also think Ty Chandler from North Carolina. He was a guy that went into the week and was never really viewed much as, you know, I mean, he was viewed as a crossback as a running back, um, but I don't think people were really aware of, you know, how well of a receiver he had developed. Um, He was ridiculous throughout the week. He was able to, you know, show very, very well in a passing game, and obviously right now in the NFL, if you were not the man, if you were not the Derrick Henry or the Nick Chubbs of the world, you better be just as good as a receiver as you are a runner to succeed. And I think for a guy like you know, Ty Chandler out of North Carolina. I think that opportunity showed himself. If you want to kind of go a little bit of you know obscure, there certainly is this. And it's um you know from Jackson State, one of Deion Sanders boys, James Houston. James Houston was at University of Florida, transferred down to Coach Sanders out of Jackson State, had sixteen and a half sacks last year. I mean, I don't care what level you played at, that's certainly a number that, you know, says, All right, well, let's watch some tape. The sixteen mm-hmm. and a half sacks, the sixteen and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so he was involved heavily. Um, he looked, you know he looked like he actually maybe had some coverage skills as well so you know maybe somebody that can you know portray him, maybe a three4 linebacker uh, you know for somebody down the line so i think he was really really you know interesting as far as that you know Nebraska wide receiver you know Samari Torre, um he had a really really nice game the practices were a little shaky going but obviously he got his feet going as the week went on you know so ended up showing out very well in the game but look i mean this is the shrine game you know it, it for those guys, you know that opportunity is a lot more important than a lot of guys at the Senior Bowl. Senior Bowl, your your name is kind of already on the map. Obviously, that's mm-hmm. how you ended up there. Uh, but get your opportunity in the Shrine Game. Get you know uh, you know some momentum going. Put together you know either positive days, you know or, you know or or positive momentum throughout the week leading into the game. Uh, it was big for these guys. You know here you know there's a obviously a whole rattle of names that could go anywhere from you know you know, round four through round seven on day three and you're starting to get yourself out there a little bit where you're doing it actually in front of pro scouts, you know, certainly is just only going to help the process for you.
0: Notre Dame quarterback Jack Cohn seemed to be uh, pretty good in this game. And then uh, on the east side, how about uh, Brown quarterback E.J. Perry? I don't, I mean, three touchdowns in the the second half, that's got to be awfully impressive for scouts. I mean, how much did he help his stock, or is this just like a kind of a fluke thing? I mean, I don't know what we can expect from a Brown quarterback, uh, you know, come the draft.
2: Well, here, I mean, the thing is, and maybe not, but look, maybe he gets himself into a camp. And, you know, look, I mean, nobody ends up at Brown by accident. Obviously, you got to be a very intelligent human being. Absolutely. Um, So showing that you have some talent, um, and a lot of this will be getting into, you know, a camp. And, you know, does the overall intelligence translate to football intelligence? And if it does, I mean, look, I mean, there's plenty of quarterbacks who have been in the league for 10 years, never taken a snap. Um, make good money. Why? Because their abilities, as far as players, may not be what their abilities are, as far as reading the game, understanding the game, being able to assist other people, you know, with their knowledge of the game and their understanding of what defenses are trying to do. But you know, I mean, if anything, it, it gets them, you know, perhaps an opportunity. Um, and look, when you go thirteen of eighteen for two forty-one, um, yeah, it's an all-star game setting. But you know, you look at that Senior Bowl. Uh, any one of those guys in the Senior Bowl. Would basically give their right arm right now to Mm -hmm. say that they went 13 to 18 for 241 and three touchdowns. So, obviously, great opportunity for him. And, you know, see, you know, if it progresses and there's some opportunities here. And, you know, maybe then gets himself into some excavation games. Maybe there's an opportunity. You never know.
0: I shouldn't knock Ivy League quarterbacks. I mean, after all, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been around for a very long time, has been playing, you know, for seemingly half the, half the teams I, in the NFL at yes, this point. I heard he went to Harvard. <laughs> yes, he did, yes. Uh, so, did, so did Matt Burke, apparently knows where Lightning is from, too, an old uh, United Way commercial way back when. Uh, one other guy that kind of stuck out to me, and I, I remembered him from – Bull season uh, in his uh, game against, I believe it was Old Dominion. It was Tulsa wide receiver Josh Johnson, I believe, he had four catches for 98 yards in this one. Is he a guy that uh, that you think? I mean, obviously, we we talked last week how deep of a wide receiver class it is, but is he a guy that you could see kind of moving up some boards, perhaps?
2: Well, you see, I mean, there's talent there. There's players, you know, from last year at Tulsa. There's players from this year at Tulsa. It certainly helps, you know, when your school is starting to maybe get a little momentum. And, you know, when people are starting to put eyes on film, obviously some people with a Tulsa linebacker last year, people had their eyes on there. Um, offensive uh, offensive linemen this year coming out from Tulsa as well. So obviously the film can be seen, the player will be recognized, and hey man, you 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 get that opportunity. Um, you put it together, and the other thing is though is you know you get to you know introduce yourself, you get to sit down, you know with NFL uh, front office members, NFL scouts. Um, look, it's a deep wide receiver quest, and it's really really difficult, as we just talked about with mm-hmm. Jalen Stearns not even getting invitation to the combine. So it's really difficult to see the way this progresses sometimes. And sometimes maybe the league doesn't view something the way a lot of us do. Um, but look, I mean, there's been a lot of undrafted free agents, had a hell of a career in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, I mean, Getting you know that fifth through seventh round is always the most difficult because it could just be one or two things that you know a team may like in a player. Um, you know, whether they have flaws, maybe we'll try and work them out, or maybe they're underdeveloped and saying, "Hey, look, anything he's got right now are good tendencies. We'll teach him the rest." Um, so it gets very wonky. Plus the uh, way with the regime change in the NFL, where you know front offices and coaches are in and out of the door so fast. You know, maybe there was a flyer taken on a guy in a fifth, sixth, seventh round where they said, you know what, at least he can play special teams now. We understand he's a year or two away. But then all of a sudden, in a year or two away, the coaches in the front office that put their faith in said player to go down that road, they're not around anymore. And now all of a sudden you have a guy who, you know, could be in a tough spot. So, I mean, it's always the most difficult road for those, you know, undrafted free agents and the third day guys. Um, cause it's, it's very, very quickly that mm-hmm. you could be replaced, even though maybe you were originally brought in with a plan of understanding, you know, it was going to be a process with you. It's, it's, it's one of the, for me, it's one of the most difficult parts of the process and following how guys develop right. once they actually do get to the league.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so from the East West Shrine game, did anyone have a really good week of practice that? Maybe didn't show up in the game, or vice versa. Maybe didn't have the greatest week of practice. That did better in the game. It, either uh, anything stick out to you there?
2: Um, I'm actually just just because we haven't mentioned him, and I, and I do want to mention him. Um, I kind of had a good week. Certainly had a good season. Um, scored a touchdown in the game. Jelani Woods out of Virginia. This is like really really weird um, because you. Know, but prior to Virginia, he played some wide receiver. He is six foot seven, two hundred and sixty in change. Um, you look at him, he looks, like it, he looks like an edge player. He doesn't look like a tight end. Um, there's, I mean, he's as physically built as somebody could be. Not an ounce of fat on him. Um, but really, really interesting player. I mean, a little bit older, probably a guy that's definitely going to go on day three. Um, but the potential as a receiver is there right away. Um, you know, if Aaron Rodgers ends up staying in Green Bay, he kind of reeks of one of those tight ends that nobody knows much about in Green Bay and then all of a sudden kind becomes Aaron Rodgers guy for a you know fourteen, twenty game stretch or so. We've seen plenty of players do that. But he for me is definitely some guy that um, somebody from the Shrine Bowl that's gonna be real interesting to watch going further.
0: Speaking of edge players, uh, there was a lot of uh, pressure on some quarterbacks at the uh, during the Reese's uh, Senior Bowl, especially from Boyamafe Amafe from uh, from Minnesota. He wreaked havoc. Uh, so did Perry and Winfrey from Oklahoma. For me, when I was watching this game, I thought this those two guys in particular kind of stole the show. I mean, I don't know how much this helps them. It, it maybe solidifies their their draft positions or whatnot, but. Certainly, they made their presence felt in Mobile, especially during the game.
2: Look, it's a it's a deep class, and I think it's going to it's going to be viewed even deeper after we get to the combine and we start getting these underclassmen. Uh, you know, as far as their measurements and athletic scores. Um, look, if it's a year where you want to improve your pass rush as a team. There's no way around it. I mean, you should be able to do this. You know, as everybody knows, I cover the Cleveland Browns on the daily. Mm-hmm. You know, right now, Miles Garrett there. Um, you know, for the foreseeable future, um, whether or not Jadavian Clowney, and I think it's all going to come down to Clowney and exactly what he wants. Um, whether or not it's actually to stay in Cleveland, I think the Browns are ready to give him whatever money he thinks he wants. I think they're more than comfortable with that. But Jadavian Clowney has always just kind of been his own individual. Maybe he would rather go somewhere where it's warmer. It's certainly a possibility. But even still, for a team like that, even you bring back Jadavion Clowney, I'm ready to do the rest of the room over. Um, You know, have you guys there that are 25, 26, 27 years old. They've shown to be okay role players. But, you know, there's a team that's drastically would like to upgrade their pass rush. And you'll get Miles Garrett a little rest. And Jadavion Clowney, give it the opportunity to get him a little rest and get players in there. But, I mean, it, as much as everybody wants to talk about this wide receiver group, and I, I agree, it's, it's a fantastic group, I think if you said... 10, 13, 14 wide receivers could go in the top 100. I think it's an equal number, if not more, at the edge position. Every time it seems like you, you're turning this class over a little bit more and more, you find this, you find some guys who you think could probably contribute in, in easily in a reserve role starting out where maybe they get an opportunity. and It could be four to six sacks as a third or fourth edge for one of these teams. I mean, this is a top-heavy group, but there is a lot of depth, and there are a lot of pass rushers in this well, class.
0: Yeah, I mean we could see two defensive ends get uh selected in the top five picks in Aiden Hutchinson who could go number one and Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon. So yeah, a very deep class and uh certainly uh Mafé and, and Winfrey did their part there. Uh Kenny Pickett, pretty pretty flawless performance I guess in the in the senior bowl. Did he solidify his spot? I mean I know we have the Scouting Combine and and uh we have uh pro days and whatnot but did he did his performance maybe jump him into the number one quarterback discussion, or more so solidify his spot as the number one quarterback in this upcoming draft?
2: This is where it's going to be a little difficult, obviously, with the quarterback group because with the quarterback group, this isn't like years past. You know, we really know who the number one quarterback is in an NFL draft cycle. We know this by October. We know this by November. Mm-hmm. Um, I still don't think we're absolutely positive, and I think it's going to come down to what you view and the position your team is currently in. If I'm a team where it's a new regime, um, am I ready to essentially risk it all for Malik Willis in understanding? And, you know, I think Trey Lance at this point was better, was a better quarterback prospect. Trey Lance barely played for the 49ers last year. So if I'm a team and I really think that there's a ton of potential in Malik Willis, but I'm taking him whether it's eight, nine, 10, whatever, top 15, If I'm taking him there, am I okay with the fact that I don't necessarily want to play him year one? Or do I want to play him the last three or four weeks of the season, you know, when maybe my season is over and start getting his legs right there? The potential is there, the arm is there. He's got to learn uh, arm angles, he's got to learn velocity versus. Touch. Not everything is just showing off the fact that you can throw the ball ninety nine miles an hour. Um, so he's got to work on that. But the athletic, you know, gifts are there. You see him run around a field and like it was the old uh you know, techmo bowl run during his senior bowl, where he went up to the one sideline, <laughs> came all the way down to the other sideline, players falling and flailing at his feet. The potential's there. If I'm a team or uh, you know, if I'm a team that needs a quarterback now, maybe the Washington Commanders and all right, kudos I'm actually I got that correct. If yeah. I'm <laughs> the Washington Commanders, is it Am I taking Kenny Pickett because I think I have a pretty good team right now? I was in the playoff two years ago, so I think Kenny Pickett is ready to go right now. Am I the Pittsburgh Steelers? Um, you know, and granted, they're drafting at twenty. Do I think Kenny Pickett is ready right now with what I currently have? In um, understanding the fact that, what, if even for the Steelers, if that desirable quarterback was there in this draft, it wouldn't be an opportunity for them anyway at twenty. So maybe they could end up somehow some way with a possible trade up to get to a guy like Kenny Pickett who maybe makes a seamless transition, staying in the same stadium, playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I understand his hands might be a little small. Mm-hmm. I understand he's about to be 24 years old. But maybe that's what the Steelers are looking for after having a quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger for 18 years. Maybe they don't want to set it back with somebody new is mm-hmm. learning. Maybe they want to find a transition where, yeah, this guy kind of maybe is a veteran already, but maybe that's what a team like the Steelers would want.
0: Sam Howell seemed to be running for his life multiple times throughout this game. Uh, he didn't have his uh, the, the best performance that he was looking for. How much uh, do we take away from that?
2: My thing with Sam Howell, and it seems weird because if I had said this a year ago when Sam Howell was in the draft class, everyone would have taken like as a compliment. But it seems weird right now to say that Sam Howell kind of gives me some Baker Mayfield vibes. Um, you know, there's times where maybe his, you know, His balls are bigger than his brains, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But you appreciate it. and You understand it. And as a quarterback, you know, you'd rather them going harder than necessarily maybe copping out at times. So a player like Sam Howell, I think throwing the ball stylistically looks a lot like Baker Mayfield. I think he's a little bit more athletic than Baker Mayfield. You know, he's going to be in that spot towards the end of round one where you're going to say, hey, do we think he's good enough? where we want to risk this. So we have this fifth year option. You look at where the lions are sitting with this extra first round pick. you know, which is either going to be 31 or 32. Mm -hmm. Do they view that as maybe their guy going down the road? Um, So Sam Howell, I mean, I like the play. I I think he's a little bit more athletic. I think the thing is he would be considered more athletic if we were not in the era that we are right now of athletic quarterbacks. Um, I like his arm. I, I think he's got stones. Um, you know, he, he makes a lot of throws. I mean, he lost a lot of receivers from the year before going into this year. And I think at times it showed for him that it was maybe a little bit of an issue, but I think as the year went on, he finally found out he found a way to rally around it, basically learn what these guys that he's currently playing with could do. I I like Sam Howell and it feels bad to say, you know, that Baker Mayfield's a comparison. It feels bad to say that here's a guy maybe the end of the round one could be good. But this is what we're talking about. I mean, these quarterbacks, and this is very similar, I believe it's a 2013 NFL draft where E.J. Manuel went in the first uh, first round. It's just, mm-hmm. it's not a class that wows you. Mm-hmm. And if you told me, you know, there would be any one of these quarterbacks you know, that's going to go win, start week one, lead a team with a successful season next year, I, I don't know that that's necessarily going to happen. But it doesn't mean that these guys can't maybe find a way you know, to be you know quarterback in the NFL, middle of the road guys in the NFL, your current Baker Mayfields, mm-hmm. your Kirk Cousins, it's it's certainly possible, but you know, certainly lacking just a you know a top dog or just an overall eyepiece piece of what somebody was hoping would be their franchise quarterback. Right.
0: Right, you bring up Baker Mayfield, you're going to set Browns uh, fans all a Twitter about Baker Mayfield. I know he's a very polarizing figure uh, with the Browns right now. I, my
2: thing is, and I have said this ever since the struggle started in 2020. And yes, I'm sorry. In, you know, in 20 the, yep. the, the problem is, is he was injured. Yep. There's no way around this in 2021. Yep. He was injured. So I don't know how so many people can fall off the cliff in one year based on that. And my other thing was, is show me who the next guy is. And we got talks of, oh, you're the Raiders and Derek Carr. Yeah, well, it seems like Josh McDaniel specifically went to the Raiders with the intention of, please at least give me Carr. And now you look at the Vikings. Mm-hmm. You know, Kirk Cousins. Da, 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 da. Guess what? They seem very enamored. Kirk Cousins is going to be the guy. It's a tough contract to get out of. I understand that. So all these build- it, it was always going to be Baker Mayfield in 2022. It's his chance. It's his opportunity. Um, he has a chance where maybe he could hold the Cleveland Browns over a barrel right now um, if he has a phenomenal year. But mm-hmm. we'll see how it plays out.
0: I I agree with you completely on Baker Mayfield. If you're playing injured and maybe you know supply him with a couple more weapons, get him another good wide receiver or two. I mean, that would certainly help. And I think it's the same kind of position with the the Vikings and Kirk Cousins. I bring this up with with fans who want to get rid of Kirk Cousins. Who would you put then, who would you choose for the Vikings to be their starting quarterback? Do you go Kellen Mond or do you go a different option? It's just, and no one really has a viable answer. So I I am in full agreement with you on Baker Mayfield. A similar question to what I asked about the East-West Shrine game with players that had good practices, maybe not as great during the game, and vice versa. Uh, who stood out to you then this week, maybe in practice, uh, and then uh, maybe didn't have as good a game, and like I said, vice versa?
2: Well, I think one of your standouts for the week, you know, obviously you know, Christian Watson out of North North Dakota State. I think a lot of people were excited to see this player, um, you know, in this you know realm. And I think some people, you know, and again, the biggest thing with this is you have to keep in mind as a three to four day period. Mm-hmm. So some of you people that are ready to catapult a prospect three and four rounds, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of got certainly certainly your roll on that. Um, Does Christian Watson, you know, I'll put it simply like this. You know, Christian Watson with a nice week. Am I still going to draft Jameson Williams coming off the ACL injury, or am I going to draft Christian Watson? I'm going to draft Jameson Williams. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it's going to go. It Mm -hmm. does not mean anything that Watson did not do this week was not solid, because it certainly was. He had a great week. Uh, The game itself, I think the most impressive thing is that there really necessarily wasn't a center there all week. And I think, you know, you had some guys, Zion Johnson, you know, specifically out of Boston College. Here was a guy that was basically put in this scenario where you're supposed to look the best you can. I mean, this is supposed to be like a layup. You know, you want to go there. You want to look great. Here was a guy that said, look, you need somebody to snap the ball, whatever. I'll give it a shot. I'll do it. And he started off the week a little shaky, but then started to grow some confidence. Now, here's a player you can look at, has tackle experience, has guard experience, and has a little bit of center experience. Um, It's not that you're going to look at him necessarily as a utility guy, because he's a guy that's probably going to go top 45, top 50 at worst. When you look at a player like this and you see that gradual progression and he was a higher end prospect coming into this game and saying he was willing to do that. So, I mean, if he looked crappy at center all week, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have been a great week for him. But you also want to see the resolve and what can you do in a situation like this? And he was able to show pretty well. I mean, I've talked to some people that said, you know, I wouldn't rule center off the table, Um, even though he is a quality guard. You know, anything you can do. But, you know, you play that interior, you have the ability to snap. All of a sudden now maybe you were looked at by four or five teams. Maybe now all of a sudden 12-13 teams are looking at you and saying, well, all right, he can do that too. Maybe he would be able to start right away. But, you know, I know I, at least if anything I've got a card and a backup center in this type of player. Um, so Zion Johnson I think it was really closed out the week really, really strong. And I know he won over a ton of people just from taking on that responsibility and busting his ass at it. I mean, you know, to do this mm-hmm. in that realm is really, really difficult. But he put the onus on himself. And he worked every day, stayed after practice every day, which certainly caught a ton of people's eyes, like understanding, like, you know, the severity of the situation. Mm -hmm. You know, in order to play this game, he needed somebody to play center. And he took it upon himself and did put in the extra work. So for a guy like Zion Johnson, it was just a beautiful, you know, basically maturation process throughout the week for him.
0: Well, sometimes they say, what, the the best ability is availability. Well, sometimes also versatility is a very good skill to own as well. And I would be remiss if I didn't uh, uh, close our, our conversation here this uh, week by asking you if you have a pick for the Super Bowl.
2: Well, see, I... I, I will make one here, obviously, because I'm with you, Nathan. And, you know, um, next time we'll talk, it'll be post-Super Bowl. Yep. But I look at this in two ways. I look at this. If I'm the Cincinnati Bengals, you've got players in Burrow, Jamar Chase, Higgins. These guys, this isn't – granted, it's the Super Bowl. But these guys came from LSU. These guys came from Clemson. So they understand this process. The game shouldn't be too big for them. Also, the fact that you look at it, and I think that I say when I look at the Bengals – I think it's the, maybe we're not supposed to be here yet because mm-hmm. I don't think anybody thought this Bengals team was going to get to this point mm-hmm. so early. Mm-hmm. So I think they can kind of come in with a little bit of, hey, let's just let it rip. If I'm the Rams, there's a lot of pressure here. This was the whole reason you brought in Matthew Stafford. You thought you knew what where Jared Goff could take you. Now, this is the reason you brought in Matthew Stafford. You brought in Matthew Stafford because we can get to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. We're not necessarily sure we can win one. So they're there. And for the Rams, the bright spot for me is, The Cincinnati Bengals defense has played lights out in the playoffs. They've played these games smart, close, kept their offense, and most certainly their kicker, in the opportunity to win the game. Mm -hmm. This Bengals defense is not that good. So now it's been three weeks. Now you're the Rams. You've got two weeks to scout this defense off the best that they've played and saying, all right, well, I don't think they can do this. I don't think they can handle this. So I think that'll play out. I think it's going to be close. I think, you know, if you wanted to say – you know, a 30-23 type of game. I just, for me, where the Spangles defense is right now, where their offensive line has been better, Mm -hmm. but at times it's been really, really bad for the Bengals. You talk Aaron Donald, you talk Leonard Floyd, you talk Von Miller. I I just think somehow, someway, 30-23 at the end of the day, basically, uh, you know, anybody who wins the Super Bowl Ain't leaving because the party's just gonna pour out in the streets yeah. of the Los Angeles Rams.
0: Oh, exactly. So you have uh, Rams winning thirty to twenty three, and I think the 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 factor for me in this game, or the if the Bengals win, it's going to be because their offensive line is able to control Aaron Donald. And I know the Bengals offensive line's been playing better, but Donald is a whole different beast. And I think yep. you you saw Donald kind of awaken the 40, or the, the Rams' defense in the NFC Championship game there in that fourth quarter against the 49ers. I think they realize just how important it is for him to more so cement his legacy as arguably the best defensive player ever, or certainly among them. I I think that that's going to be awfully difficult for the Bengals. If the Bengals don't have an answer for Aaron Donald, I don't know if they have an answer to win this game.
1: And
2: that's the thing. Look, and if you look at Aaron Donald, look, Aaron Donald's going to walk away from the game Whenever the final whistle blows on Sunday, and guess what? He's going to Canton as a first yes. ballot Hall of Famer. Yep. The only thing Aaron Donald is missing as far as like basically a perfection NFL resume is Super Bowl champion. And you certainly saw that in his actions on Sunday, keeping his team in line, you know, busting his butt waiting for that opportunity, you know, for him and that defensive line to seize the game. They got that opportunity. They made it happen. So yeah, I mean, I am one hundred percent with you
0: should be fun. It should be a good game, hopefully. And we'll see the Bengals and the Rams. Rams are the second consecutive team playing in their home stadium. Jeff, I always appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, be well, and we'll, we'll chat soon as the Combine approaches here in a few weeks. No doubt about it. We was
2: pumping out lists today, Nathan, so it is about that time of year to uh, kick it up a massive gear a little bit.
0: Yeah, very excited for it. Thank you as always, my friend. You got it, Nathan. Have a great day. You too. Jeff Lloyd II from the Lockdown Browns podcast. Always appreciate his time. Great stuff there. Uh, Again, I say it every time. A broken record. uh, Broke a clock right twice today, but as a broken uh, record, he is one of the best. um, And love the knowledge and the the fire and just everything that he brings to table and appreciate his time as always. So he is the Rams winning 30 23. I'm sticking with the Rams 26 20. I think Joe Burrow is ready. The the game's not going to be bigger. Uh, than what Joe Burrow can handle, but that Aaron Donald and that Rams defense I think is going to be wreaking havoc on the Bengals. They better have an answer, and we'll find out early if they have an answer for Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, and that Rams defense. We're going Rams twenty six. Bengals 20. We'll see what happens there. Enjoy the Super Bowl, everyone. Again, uh, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 p.m. Central time. Kickoff on NBC. Pre-game and stuff uh, on ESPN and NFL Network. Well, in the morning, NBC starts their stuff at 11. Uh, Hopefully, you've enjoyed the Olympic stuff so far. We'll uh, we'll touch base more on Michaela Schifrin uh, next week and some of the issues that have been going on with her. Uh, it's it's, it's sad. It, it and she's so good. But we'll, we'll talk. We'll touch base on that next week. Enjoy. We'll recap the Super Bowl. We'll react to it. We'll react to the commercials and everything. Talk plenty of college basketball. Touching the Olympics as well. So for all of us here at the Sports Block podcast, uh, I'm Nathan. Uh, that thanks as always to Jeff Lloyd for joining me. On uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore Lloyd underscore L. Um or jeff underscore lj underscore lloyd excuse me so uh that's twitter handle at jeff underscore lj underscore lloyd at locked on browns podcast at locked on browns is the twitter handle Travis quins on twitter at Travis quins i'm on twitter at Andy stackin facebook nathan second link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week Enjoy the Super Bowl, enjoy the festivities, and we'll talk to you, Uh, we'll break it all down, we'll we'll recap it all, and the rest of the happenings in the sports world. So, uh, for Travis and Jeff, I'm Nathan. Thank you so much for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great week. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Have a great week, everyone. Also available now on iTunes, as well as podcast.com. Enjoy the Super Bowl.